Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MS Money Moves podcast, your audio destination for all things biotechnology. My name is Chris, the CPO here at MS Money Moves. And in today's episode, we'll be reviewing recent news and upcoming FDA PDUFA dates, with the date being August 11th, 2020. So for those of you who are new to us, we are a company that focuses on investing and trading within the biotechnology sector. We seek to help augment your due diligence by providing our subscribers with nightly trade ideas, SMS alerts, research articles, and our newly available chat rooms on our website. But before we go any further, I just want to remind our listeners of our disclaimer. MS Money Moves and its affiliates are not registered financial advisors. Our content should serve as educational material to help you conduct due diligence and research. Content is not a directive or recommendation to invest in any security. We reserve the right to buy or sell any security for ourselves without any notification except when required by law. We are not responsible for the action of our affiliates. Investment theses may change due to the variable nature of the securities market. Because of this, there is great risk when investing in stocks and options, which can result in capital loss. Everyone should conduct their own research and due diligence before making an investment decision. We recommend you consult a financial advisor regarding any investment action. So now let's get to it. On October 2nd, Mesoblast, which trades under the ticker on the NASDAQ MESO, announced that the FDA issued a complete response letter for the company's biologics license application for Roma Stem Cell L for the treatment of pediatric steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease. Now, this was the company that we had mentioned previously on our last review podcast. Uh, this decision from the FDA was extremely surprising, knowing that the Oncologic Drug Advisory Committee of the FDA voted 9-1 to one in favor that the data supported an approval for this indication. However, ADCOM votes are non-binding, and obviously the FDA did not agree with the ADCOM votes. Specifically, the FDA asked for a randomized controlled trial to prove that the efficacy of Remistem cell L was indeed enough to lead to marketing approval. Additionally, the FDA identified the need for further investigation into the measurement of the product's potency and how that correlates with biological activity. Unfortunately, MISO shares stumbled 30% after the announcement of this complete response letter and have since settled around the $12 mark. So really, where does this leave MISO? Well, they have around 1.5 years of cash on hand currently, which will obviously fluctuate based on clinical trials starting and or winding down and additional consulting that needs to be done to address this complete response letter. Furthermore, MISO plans to meet with the FDA within 30 days to discuss a path forward. MISO also has a catalyst-packed couple of months for the remaining 2020 year. First, their mesenchymal stem cell therapy for the treatment of COVID-19. The second interim analysis is scheduled to be conducted in early November. Now, this trial has already passed the first interim analysis, so this could um, be a potential catalyst if there is a um, clear sign of efficacy, which would potentially lead to the trial being stopped early. What would be the most interesting finding is if this trial does show a benefit for the treatment of COVID-19, how will the FDA compromise on the assay potency and biological activity concern that it raised concerns about in its complete response letter for acute graft-versus-host disease. Furthermore, MISO has phase three readouts for their product Rexlostemlocell, which was marketed under the brand name Revascor for both chronic low back pain and advanced chronic heart failure. So there's still two phase three readouts left in 2020. But speaking along the lines of heart failure, 
This week, we finally saw the Phase 3 data from Cytokinetics, Amgen, and Servier's Phase 3 galactic trial, which was evaluating omnicamnative uh, micarbyl in tr- patients with reduced ejection, ejection fraction heart failure, which is also commonly referred to as HEFREF. This Phase 3 trial looked at the addition of omnicamnative micarbyl added to standard of care versus placebo added to standard of care. The top line results showed a statistically significant reduction in the primary composite endpoint of reduced cardiovascular death or heart failure events. The hazard ratio for that was 0.92 with a p-value of 0.0252. Now, the p-value that we typically look for in these phase three trials is a p-value of less than 0.05. And I would have to say that a lot of times when there is clear benefit, the p-values are quite small. And while this p-value is less than 0.05, it does still leave some questions to be answered as to whether this therapy does indeed have um, a benefit in patients with heart failure. I think that's further underscored by the fact that the trial did not show any reduction in the secondary endpoint of cardiovascular deaths. Now, many classify this as mixed results for cytokinetics, and this was what led to the stock trading down um, under over 30% on Thursday. Now, cytokinetics trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker CYTK. The full results of this trial will be presented at the American Heart Association Scientific Sessions on Friday, November 13th. So there's definitely more to come with regards to um, these mixed results that we saw. Over this weekend, there was a PDUFA date for Avenue Therapeutics with trades under the ticker ATXI on the NASDAQ. The specific date was October 10th for this intravenous tramadol preparation. Since the PDUFA date was over the weekend, I anticipate we'll hear the results of the decision from the FDA in the very near future, as early as Monday morning. Now, tramadol is an opioid compound that is currently approved as an oral option for pain management. In other countries, tramadol is approved as both an oral and intravenous preparation. However, Avenue Therapeutics um, application here would be the first IV preparation approved in the United States. This is a peculiar PDUFA date, as recently the FDA has been quite skeptical of the new opioid approvals given the opioid pandemic that's been ravaging our country. This has included the recent denial of Nectar Therapeutics opioid agonist product that did not make it through the ADCOM meeting. Now, Avenue did not have to go through an ADCOM meeting for its IV tramadol product, so read into that how you will. But the FDA has not been overtly against new opioid medications. For example, the FDA did approve Trivana's opioid product, Olaceridine, this year. So on this basis, I think there's a fairly decent chance that we see Avenue get the green light for this application. So that is our brief news and review for the week that was ended October 9th. We're excited to be dropping some upcoming podcasts on Arcus Pharmaceuticals, which will be joined by our Chief Operating Officer, Mr. Sultan Beardsley, closely followed by another podcast highlighting another small cap company we're interested in, Kintera Pharmaceuticals. So we hope this podcast was educational for you, our listeners. We'd like to thank our current subscribers. And for those of you who are not yet subscribers, we encourage you to check out our site at www.msmoneymoves.com and consider subscribing. Allow us to help supplement your biotechnology due diligence. We have flexible plans, all which include a free trial. Regardless of the payment option you choose, you're free to cancel at any time. Our services include nightly trade ideas, SMS text alerts, research articles, and newly launched 
chat rooms, which are available on our website. We look forward to catching up with you on our next episode and best of luck, everyone.